Hey everyone, this is the Think Truth Podcast again. It's Elijah and Paul, and we're getting ready to do our third episode here, this time on applica- ap- applicating, applying, how yeah. about? <laughs> how about applicationalizing? <laughs> Longer the better. Applying revelation. Um, oh, this is something I'm really interested in because I feel like I actually ignored the book of Revelation for a long time because it was sort of creepy to me, a little mm-hmm. strange, and... I just got too many animals with too many heads. (laughs) Yes. You try to visualize some of the stuff with like the grasshoppers and frogs coming up out of throats and you're like, yeah, I'm out. Um, but I think, um, there are some people for sure who have interpretations of revelation that are more, let's say more literal Mm -hmm. that, um, for sure that, that also get like the deeper meaning behind it and stuff. So I don't want to make it sound like, it's uh, it's one or the other, but I do think that um, in seeing the book of Revelation the way the authors meant to communicate mm-hmm. with the, the background of the first episode we did on this, on genre, and then also the second episode on yeah. this this thing of the Mark of the Beast, um, yeah, we when we view it correctly, I think we're really going to come away with a rich understanding of what John wanted to communicate mm-hmm. and, and ultimately what the Spirit was, was yeah. saying through him. Right. So... All right. So approaching Revelation, how do we how do we go into the book of Revelation and find uh, truth and knowledge and and help in a very practical way for our lives? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think going what you just said, uh, I think some younger people. So uh, Revelation, prophecy, all this kind of stuff um, was really big and controversial for a while mm-hmm. in American fundamentalism and evangelicalism. Yes. And I think in reaction to that, younger younger people kind of adopted a, whoa, this totally doesn't matter. We're going to stay out of it. Yeah, the whole pan-millennial. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's like, woo, um, this isn't unimportant, da-da-da. Yes. Um, but I, I think it's understandable, right, that reaction. But we don't need to pick between either of those, right? Yeah. Because kind of... You know, the first is like the wrong questions being asked, and the second is a reaction to that. But I think um, we need to take Revelation seriously, reading it well, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I think we need, I, I want to encourage younger readers of, of Scripture to kind of, re, uh, kind of reintroduce yourself to Revelation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that it really does matter. Yeah. But not, not in the, you know, not in prophecy charts ways, but it matters yes. very deeply in shaping you as a person. Yeah. Um, so jumping right into the book, you start out with like these, these first three chapters of letters to yeah. churches with stars and yeah, yeah, yeah. messengers. That's cool. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so how does that, I guess, first of all, like what do you see the significance of this being right at the beginning? And then how does this kind of mesh together with then this whole idea of the mark of God on people and this cosmic warfare between the beast and the, the, the Christ, um, et cetera? Yeah. Um, so I think Revelation um, talks about, you know, this is show is showing his servants what's soon going to take place. Um, blessed is everyone who reads aloud of this. Time is near. Um, Jesus loved us and, and freed us from our sins by his blood, made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. Right, and and this is who we are, and this is this is the imagery that we see later. Yeah. Um. And each, and then you get these these letters to these representative churches, that basically all pretty much, uh, or a lot of them, 
end with this phrase to the one who conquers, mm-hmm. I will give, um, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, mm-hmm. which is <clears throat> comes up in Revelation twenty two. Yeah, right. It's the very end. Uh, the second letter, he who has an ear, the one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death, mm-hmm. right? Which wow. John talks about in the letter. Yeah. Right. Um, the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, um, that, that true food at the eschatological banquet or whatever. Hmm. Um, so, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. So this actually kind of reminds you a little bit of that song that only the redeemed know that they sing. Okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, and of this idea of this name that this time you bear that God gives you, right. That this, it, this close relationship to him, um, you have you have in these um, letters as well, like a lot of talk about sexual avoiding sexual exactly. immorality, yeah. avoiding I- idolatry, and yeah. uh, how this crops up in these different churches. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, just another example in uh, for the church in Philadelphia, um, the one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of God. Mm. Right? Oh my God, this is the imagery at the end of Revelation. Uh, yeah. He will not go in and out. I will write the I will write on him the name of God and the name of the city of my God, the oh, New wow. Jerusalem, which comes out. Uh, down out of God from heaven and my own new name. So, so he's going to be mark right ultimately sealed, right? And he's yeah. going to be in this new temple. Um, the one who conquers will sit down with my father on his throne. So it's the idea that all of, kind of all of these are, if you conquer, you're going to, you're going to participate in the salvation that's, that's imaged in the rest of the book, mm-hmm. right? So there's, yeah. that's the goal is read this letter and stay faithful, and then this is going to be you, right? Mm-hmm. This is you, this will be you. And like you said, then the negative stuff, a lot of the sin imagery, the, the things that Jesus is pointing out, um, is related to... Uh, um, like to, the stuff, to the, stuff. Beast, the beast is trying so to... So the beast to and the harlot, right? Yeah, so yeah. you got all this, like you said, the sexual immorality stuff. Some of it maybe is literal, speaking of actual sexual immorality, but some of it, some of it probably isn't. Um, Seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality, to eat food sacrificed to idols. Yeah, maybe that's literal sexual immorality. It's entirely possible, but because of the way immorality is idolatry. Mm-hmm. Um, but but then look, I gave her time to repent. She refuses. I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her, I will throw into great tribulation until they repent. So it's kind of knowing what comes later in the letter where you have this harlot who then kind of gets thrown into, into great tribulation, essentially. Uh, John, maybe the situation in this church is an issue of licentiousness, maybe. Um, but if even if that's the case, they're meant to see that as having sort of eschatological meaning, right? As that if they're engaging in this stuff, they're belonging to the beast, the harlot, right? And their end is going to belong is going to be analogous to you know the harlot's end, yeah, right? right. So all this is basically a different it's a kind of little personal prelude to the mm-hmm. vision because it's one revelation, just one vision essentially yeah. that says this is what is happening and this is how it's going to end. Yeah. Right. And you, your response is kind of in, in a lot of ways the the question of application of revelation, it's answered very well by these letters, right? Mm-hmm. The application is not go look for specifics, go read the newspaper and discern what comes next. It's what is, in what ways are you straying from Christ mm-hmm. And in what ways are you being faithful? 
Yeah. And if you stray, you're going to face the destruction of the beast. If you are faithful, you're going to get the salvation that this book talks about. Yeah, good. So, yeah, then we go through this book of Revelation talking about the, well, the, the, the picture, it starts out sort of with like this end of everything picture, right? Or mm-hmm. like what we think of it is the end of everything. Right. Like you have the, the everybody surround, like chapter four and five. Well, yeah, five, exactly. Like the throne and everyone around it. Six and seven, you have like this 144,000, like in other words, God's people, God's perfect. The, yeah, the fullness of God's, of God's people. people, yeah. Um, around God's throne, participating in worship. And um, it seems to be like a picture. It's It's almost like, you're in Revelation 22. Yeah, it is right. Um, it's like this perfect picture of, of unity and and God's people in in joy and uh, worshiping with with God. Right, you could almost God. stop the book right there if you wanted to. Yeah, so that five. that I think jumps us to the next point, which yeah. is there's this. So it seems like the le- like the book of Revelation is is actually a series of cycles, yeah. literary literary cycles. So you should you can't probably it seems can't read it as sort of one straight line timeline timeline yeah. that rather it's giving the same general set of same little storyline mm-hmm. several different times, maybe seven or several uh, kind of cycles, but it's these cycles that do climax in the end of the story. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it is going somewhere. Each one's a little different. A little it contains different. different apocalyptic imagery. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of looking at this whole time period from, the beginning of judgment, essentially, mm-hmm. right, which starts with the destruction of Jerusalem, right, that Jesus leaving, yeah. um, to his return and the new creation. Mm-hmm. It looks at this whole time period from several different angles. So, for example, I think that the the seven uh, the seven seals, the seven bowls, the seven trumpets, are probably largely the same things. Um, or at least very much overlapping. There, there's some cases where you may kind of build on each other, like mm-hmm. the first. These three kind of correspond to here, and you get a little bit of an advance at the end of, yeah. of the one. But they're not necessarily separate things. And it seems actually when you read them, it, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not like, oh, my word. Because each time it almost looks like the whole world gets destroyed, right? Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but in one case, you're, dealing, you're, you're looking at it one way. Um, in one case, you're looking at it like plagues, right? Uh, very, very like Egypt. Exactly. Like, um, people, yeah. You know, God's people getting brought out. Exactly. In the midst of plagues. Yeah. Right. And in one case, you're looking at these bowls of God's wrath. Uh-huh. And in one, the seals of um, God's sovereignty over, over history. Right. Mm. The scroll that, that represents God, God's purposes for history. Yeah. That's being unsealed. Right. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So they're overlapping. Um, and I think, like we've said, we th- I think that Revelation doesn't, is this stuff isn't like all pushed in the future. Yeah. Like a lot of this well, stuff. Well, we know at least some of it's not because it talks about G- like the, the woman giving birth. To, you know, yeah, exactly. Right. And, but it's really strange that that whole thing is hard to take it apart because yeah. you're like, who is, who is this woman for goodness sakes? Right. <laughs> is she, she starts out, you almost think she's Mary, right. Giving birth mm-hmm. to Jesus. Right. Or maybe she's the Jewish people, mm-hmm. but then she turns into the church. Yeah. It seems. <laughs> like, and, what happened? Yeah. But, but, but the thing that, the continuity is this woman, right? Mm-hmm. And this woman stands at, in contrast to the evil woman, yeah, right? the, the right. harlot, right? So yeah, you, exactly. But even there, you can't really separate out chronology very yeah. well, right? Yeah. So to view this, uh, to view this book as like 
this is all like this is sort of a package of prophecy for some future event right. just kind of doesn't work no no and that's not what jo- again that's not what john's john is wanting his readers these seven churches to read this and to say oh this is the world that i'm living in right mm, now yeah. right that that these things are going to continue to happen like jesus said in matthew and in the gospels that these Wars, rumors of wars, plagues, all this kind of stuff is going to continue to happen, but all of it's under God's sovereign plan. Mm-hmm. So is the persecution that's coming. Uh, and this, all this time, there's going to be these temptations toward accepting the beast, right? Uh, you know, the harlot, whatever. Mm-hmm. This is where I live. Uh, and I need to live my life differently because of that vision. But at the same time, I need to live differently because I know that this isn't just a set of cycles that yes. applies now. But it's a story that's ending, yeah. right? And that, so Revelation does speak of the future. Mm-hmm. Revelation ends with 21 and 22 um, with the ultimate triumph. Something of, different than the cycle of judgment, of evil powers yeah. doing their work and God judging and stuff. There is an end, right? Yeah, there is. So those cycles portray this portray this end, but the end of Revelation really portrays it in more vivid terms, mm-hmm. I think, of... Uh, this is the, the hope that Christians are all waiting for, the ultimate defeat of the beast yeah. of Rome, of the Rome of whoever, you know, the Rome that permeates all of society yeah, and the new heavens and the new earth that mm. we're, we're all waiting for. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that picture of, um, I was just thinking about how Paul, just jumping obviously to a different author, but how Paul often talks about the hope, yeah, the hope that we have. Um, like he says in, uh, just had the Sunday school class today, which made me think about it on um, Paul's address where he's standing in the Sanhedrin and he like gets up and he yells like I'm on, I'm on trial because of <laughs> the hope. The of the hope. Resurrection. Well, he says the hope and the, and the resurrection or something. Okay. Right. So like, which obviously same, right. same kind of idea, like the hope, the hope being like this oppression of God's people and yeah. everything that's going wrong and stuff is actually going to end. Right. Like there, there is right. a hope of something in the future that will absolutely definitely right. end the evil and corruption right. and everything. Yeah. Knowing the ending of the story is meant to change the way you interact with the current, this, you know, the scene in the story, yeah. I think Peter says the same. I have to bring in Peter. Yeah. Right. So Peter says the same thing when he basically takes old Testament stories and maps them onto the present and says, live your life in light of this. But then at the end, he says, okay, remember how God judged the world with the flood. Remember how he judged Sodom, right? Well, the next judgment's coming of the whole cosmos. And then he's like, since all of these things are to be dissolved, what kind of people should you be in lives of holiness and godliness as you wait for and hasten the coming of the day of God? Because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. Sounds very, that sounds very apocalyptic, right? Yes. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. This is Revelation 21 and 22. And therefore, because you're waiting for these things, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and to be at peace. Hmm. That's, that's Revelation. Yeah. It's really, again, it's the same. That's what I said before, right? The, the, the New Testament is giving us the same message just in different ways, right? Yeah. So in reading Revelation, right, we're coming to it with um, with this perspective of a church in danger from the powers that are on yeah. earth, in danger from persecution, but also in from danger. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. Um, also in, in danger of this temptation yeah. to, to turn away from yeah. God and to, right. to take on. To go worldly. Willingly. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. Exactly. <laughs> take on um, the earthly, the beast kind of ways of doing life and take on his name instead of God's. Right. So overcoming through that yeah. is like this. Major. Yeah. 
So we can't, we don't really, we can't really go into, there's so many things to talk about. Yeah. Like, okay, what about all these battles? Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. So uh, there's, there's analogy. So, in, and there's this, this interesting scroll called the war scroll in the Dead Sea, one of the, uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls. Okay. And it's this really detailed, kind of boring um, portrayal of this eschatological set of battles that they're waiting for. Hmm. Right. And it has, there's seven of them. Hmm. And, and it's probably, they, again, they probably don't, is almost certainly do not think of these as being literal because the depictions are just terrible from a military strategy perspective, right? Uh-huh. So there's seven of them, and they go, um, they have all these banners with all these like detailed, like you know, helpful sayings written on them and stuff. <laughs> nice. And then um, they lose three of them, and they win three of them, and then finally at this this moment of desperation, kind of they're they're they keep losing, right? And it's, yeah. a, it's a stalemate essentially. Then God sends sort of the Messiah to intervene. And, and there's one more battle. And there's one more battle. And it's yeah. decisive one. So mm-hmm. stuff like that is reminiscent of what's going on here. So again, these battles aren't necessarily all meant to portray specific military strategy and stuff like that. Um, but it's meant, and again, we can't go deep into this, but they are meant to be portraying this, this cosmic struggle between the forces of God and the forces of evil yeah. and how it's not going to be us that wins this victory. And so this has big practical implications, mm-hmm. right? The revelation and its battles, um, the way God's people suffer and die, these wit- the two witnesses that die, right? And, yeah. and rise again or whatever. Um, it's not, we don't, we don't win against the forces of darkness by our efforts, by our strategies, by our political, you know, savvy or whatever. Mm-hmm. We wait and suffer and are faithful and Jesus is the only one who can defeat these powers. Yeah. Right. And uh, yeah. So kind of that's, that's how these. So hang yeah. on to him, take his name and don't, yeah, don't, and, don't give it up for. Yeah. And in the these. closing words of the Count of Monte Cristo, wait and hope. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. All right. Well, this has been a good journey. We're hoping to um, potentially, we'll see how things go. Maybe, um, answer some questions. Um, if we pick this up again, answer yeah. some questions about the book of revelation and, uh, end times. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Thanks for being on here. All Paul. right. Appreciate yeah. it. Thanks.